What's up, everybody? Paul Hickey here. I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank you for listening. After this brief sponsored segment, you will hear a data-driven daily tip that will change your life. Okay, well, it might not change your life, but it will for sure help your digital presence. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned. What's up, everybody? Paul Hickey here with a special edition of the Data Driven Daily Tip. As you know, I typically get super geeky around uh, frequently asked questions uh, from digital marketers, uh, small, small business marketers, and small business owners. But today we're doing something special. We've got a guest. His name is Casey Carroll. He does a little bit of what we do, so we thought it would be an awesome guest to have on the show and talk about social media marketing um, for some specific verticals is his, uh, what I understand your specialty to be, Casey, but um, uh, happy to have you on uh, the Data Driven Daily Tip show. I think our listeners are going to get a lot of value out of having you on. Um, our, anyone watching on YouTube is going to get a lot of value from the things that we talk about as well. So um, let's jump right into it, man. Tell me about you and what you're all about from a work standpoint, what do you got going on? And, and I, I know that you provide a lot of value on social media, like paid social basically. So I'm yeah. excited to get geeky and get detail oriented with you, but uh, give us the overview, man. Yeah, so I'll kind of give you a 50,000 foot overview just so you have an understanding, I guess, of what I do. You know, yeah, I do work with um, some verticals, but on top of that, you know, a lot of my specialty with, with Action Advertising Agency um, kind of goes under two different peers. You know, one is sales and process uh, consulting because re the reality is, I mean, lead generation itself in most small businesses, there's, there's other problems that, don't, that people don't really necessarily know exist beforehand, either because their sales process has been different. And, and you know, going after digital leads, there's, there is a lot of changes that you have to make in order to be able to scale that effectively over a much you know, larger budget or something along those lines. But that's, that's one component. And that's what I do a lot with you know, chiropractors and, and a lot of other smaller local businesses that are trying to you know, dominate their local market for um, you know, either patient growth or, or for customer growth. But the other thing that I also do is work very heavily specifically as it relates to data um, around what's called offline events and the new Facebook attribution tool, which just got released to us as advertisers and how to, how to leverage that information to make informed decisions across a, a much larger landscape. So to kind of give you some context, you know, I work with auto dealers and, and some of the things that we've been able to accomplish with, with a lot of these auto dealers that I work with is, is nothing short of remarkable considering that, you know, for example, there's, there's one dealership for five years or so, they never reached, you know, in the, in the dealership world, uh, they rank themselves based off of their pool percentage attainment. And they basically rank across, you know, six, seven, eight, nine different auto, auto dealers that they're kind of competing against for their market share in that local market. And, and like, for example, one of these dealerships using traditional media was never able to produce more than maybe, you know, top third or so, like third place or so in the entire pool. Uh, and then over the course of six months, finally hit first place in the pool for the first time and did less other traditional media. They took their budget away from TV and put it all into Facebook advertising instead. And, and so what offline events will allow me to do, for example, is, you know, say for in most advertising situations at the moment, uh, you know, if you want to be able to track and measure, you know, what happens after the lead goes to the client or, you know, what if there's a scenario where, you know, someone might walk into a brick and mortar location, i.e. Like, like with auto dealers, and they don't necessarily opt into a campaign, they don't become a lead, but they saw one of your ads, 
walked into the dealership and then bought. Well, in most advertising scenarios, you know, the, the entire um, tracking is, is completely broken at that point. And there's really not, not much of an ability. And, you know, you can try to make some correlations between growth and also lead volume at the same time, but it doesn't necessarily translate to the exact specific ad set that drove that outcome. Um, and so for one of my dealerships alone last year, you know, I ran over 1,100 different ad sets over the course of the entire year. And I can tell you exactly which of those 1,100 ad sets drove a sale, whether someone walked into a dealership or they actually, you know, became a lead and then bought, you know, later on after that point, after they went through the business development center. Um, I can also tell you specifically how much profit they made for each individual model that we ran ads for. And that allows us to change our focus and our, and our strategy on a month by month basis based not on what, what the cost per lead is, but instead based off of what's actually generating sales and profit, even if I can't see that lead come in because they walked into a dealership instead. Yeah, absolutely. I know that cost per acquisition is your main thing that you talk about in terms yeah. of, uh, you know, really driving the real results for your clients. And so I have a quick question about that because I, one thing that I became familiar with a few years ago, and I'm sure it's changed quite a bit. Um, we've done less Facebook advertising for our clients over the last few years at data-driven design we've done more digital strategy um, and web design and development and custom software work and content creation and we've done less facebook advertising than we did say two or three years ago so i'm mm -hmm. um, excited for you to kind of update um, me and our and our listeners and, and our viewers here on this but i remember a store visits conversion that I got really excited about in Facebook ads manager a few years ago. And we have a client that's a, uh, a convenience store in middle Tennessee that has about 80 locations or so. And I remember talking to them about, okay, if you, if we can run ad ad campaigns and we didn't, we, we did their website. We didn't end up winning the Facebook ads business, but I told mm -hmm. them as a, as a consultant, like, you should really have the agency that you hire consider the store. I was enamored by the store visits conversion for a lot of the yeah. reasons that you're talking about. Yeah. So how is, how is store visits related to offline events? And then how do you like, did that end up materializing into anything? Is it different now? And then what I'm intrigued by too is like, how do you, you talk about the actual um, sale. So how mm. do you like, I'm somewhat familiar with, running an ad campaign, say off of a store visit conversion, or even on Google, yeah. like Google AdWords Express say, you can run an AdWords Express ad off of, or you can, you can see uh, visits to a location on a map coming mm -hmm. from a particular keyword off of SEO, for example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All of these are different than what you're talking about, but I think small businesses think they're kind of all the same and related. So maybe kind of break down offline events even more. Yeah. Yeah. So let's start first with the store visits objective because the store visits objective, basically, you know, if you've got multiple locations that are all kind of listed specifically as locations under a main brand page itself, and then they can, all those other locations are kind of associated with that main top level um, page. You can then run a store visits campaign afterwards. I've talked to some individuals who have ran store visits campaigns though. And, and what, I've, what I've kind of heard from them is that the store visits campaigns will you know, essentially use geofencing based around a certain you know, address that you put in for that particular location and then measure you know, people who have their, their phones in their pocket you know, being within the zone of what they consider to be you know, that particular location. The, the problem is that some of these locations can sometimes, um, you know, if, if you're 
maybe you know, 10, 15, 20 yards away from that location at a different store that's right next to it, then you have this, this negative feedback where you, you had, you know, it seems like it's actually someone that walked into a dealership or, or walked into a store, but the reality was they actually went to the store next door. And so you might be saying, okay, well, you know, the idea is more traffic equals more sales. But well, offline events is very different than that. So with offline events, it's kind of like uploading a custom audience and then going back into the past and then being able to see specifically which one is of those ad sets, you know, drove that outcome. And so like for, and for example, in this case, you know, store visits does not necessarily mean money or it doesn't necessarily mean how much money that you can be able to track that came from that store visit. It's all somewhat relative, right? And so with, with offline events, it gets down to the nitty gritty specific profits, specific revenue. Um, and, and again, you know, if you're driving, if you're testing a lot of different things, you know, offline events is really great for understanding uh, trends at scale. So if you run 1100 different ad sets in a year and you want to know exactly which ads are driving an outcome, so then you can give your the information to the creative team to make more of those types of ads right. or to, uh, you know, to be able to track and measure what kinds of products promoting are going to produce a higher percentage of, of customers, et cetera. Um, you know, so with a lot of POS systems or with, with Zapier or with, you know, Leadsbridge for CRM systems, uh, you know, Zapier has got a, an offline event zap where you can sync it directly into Stripe data, sync it directly into Magento and a lot of other scenarios like that. Uh, and then you can be able to, to feed that information back. Now, of course, the more information you get, the better. Um, if you get name, email address, and phone number, you know, that's, that, that, that'll kind of help a little bit. But of course, if you can also get like city, state, um, you know, and other stuff like that, it'll help with your match rate on Facebook to then be able to match that sale back to that specific ad set later. Um, and so really it's meant to be, you know, I think in the convenience store scenario, if you don't get enough information, it might not necessarily be the most useful form of information for you in that scenario. And maybe store visits does make more sense in that situation. You know, I think a lot of people, when they look at Facebook advertising, they, they position it as if it is the greatest thing since sliced bread and the only medium you should be advertising on. But the reality is, look, you know, sometimes Facebook is great for top of funnel awareness, but it might not be greatest for bottom of funnel conversion. Um, or there might be other mediums, you know, where, where, you know, let's say, for example, you find that Snapchat ads are, are much better at reaching your audience for top of funnel and then Facebook's great for the bottom of funnel in that situation. You have to look at each individual digital strategy based off of what the, the relative strength or the relative benefit of what that particular, you know, platform will do for you. So in some scenarios, Facebook can be that, that end all be all. And especially when you start to link it up with stuff like offline events, like Facebook attribution, which, you know, Facebook attribution is, is a completely different tool that takes it one step farther than, than offline events. And, and Facebook attribution is free. So anyone who's listening to this right now can go in and actually learn about Facebook attribution and use it as a free tool. What, what it allows you to do is it allows you to plug in all of your other advertising you know, platforms, Google AdWords. Uh, you can type in, you know, you, you can, you can um, put in all your accounts for, you know, uh, native advertising, Yahoo Gemini, or a number of other things as well. And then what it'll do is it'll actually, you know, help you understand and measure which sales are coming from which platforms from the actual true, you know, last touch, um, or also like an equal weight, you can do time decay to figure out like, okay, so I can see here that the conversion pathway for Facebook is great for top of funnel, but it's not great for bottom of funnel. But if you eliminate this, then you're eliminating a lot of the top of funnel awareness that will eventually lead towards that conversion. So you have to shift your budgets essentially, but it gives you a holistic perspective on all of your digital tools together in, in one complete unison, you know, to, to see really what that entire symbiotic relationship is between Google and Facebook and all these other platforms and Google My Business and, and SEO and all that other stuff too.
Yeah, that's that's outstanding. So at Action Advertising Agency, um, in your engagements with your clients, like are yeah. you all doing all of the um, are you doing all of the tracking on all of those platforms within your engagements, or are you typically focused on like one particular ad, uh, uh, not ad like referral source, but one one particular yeah. um, platform? platform. Yeah. Yeah. I, I exclusively focus just on Facebook. I mean, I've tried yeah. to dabble in Google AdWords, but to be brutally honest, man, it is, they're so different from each other. I mean, Google, to, if, if you're really good at Google AdWords, what I found is that you might not necessarily be fantastic at Facebook or vice versa. Uh, and so I've kind of decided to go all in on Facebook advertising as my main medium, but with the context of understanding that Facebook you know, it, it exists in a relationship with an entire marketing strategy, not necessarily the, it shouldn't be your entire marketing strategy, unless you've got a limited budget and you want to go all in on it. That makes a lot of sense in that situation. But when it comes down to Facebook attribution, like if they've got other advertising platforms that they use, like in our case with, with a lot of the dealerships, you know, it's, it's Google AdWords, you know, um, or it's, or it's YouTube pre-roll ads for, you know, monthly promotions and stuff. And then, you know, we can, we can track the relationship between those, um, including other, other paid sources. We just can't know, we, we, we don't, we won't have as granular of data if we don't put in the actual, you know, plug in the ad account directly from Google AdWords into that, you know, Facebook attribution tool or whatever. Um, but it exists. It's something that we were, I work with the Google AdWords team for the dealership specifically. Um, a lot of the other chiropractor clients I work with don't really do a whole lot of Google AdWords right now. Um, and that's part of the reason why, you know, it doesn't really necessarily make sense in that situation. But I, I know that, you know, if you've got a very, very diverse marketing mix and you've got multiple different digital strategies that you implement as a cohesive kind of like overarching um, tool or cohesive strategy. That's where Facebook attribution makes a lot more sense. Um, and then, you know, especially going back to, you know, offline events, if you are only running one or two ad sets to something, and if you're not testing a lot of different stuff, um, and if you don't have like a creative team that then you can say, okay, well, this image did well, but this one didn't, let's try to figure out why let's test more of this kind of stuff and see if we can also catch lightning in a bottle again. And then if you can, holy crap, we've got the information that shows us now that we know that this kind of creative works. Therefore, we're going to you know, make changes and not do more of that stuff and do more of this stuff instead. And that that's really where the benefit has been to offline events is doing a lot of testing, measuring, going back to testing again to see if it works, uh, and then being able to, to actually have like a feedback tool to be able to, to tell us what's working and what's not. Yeah, this is extremely valuable for our audience. I mean, talking about offline events, talking about Facebook attribution, and talking about how to how it is part of an overall marketing mix, but it's also like specialized enough where you really need some somebody like Action Advertising Agency who specializes in it to mm -hmm. truly do it justice for your business. And so Casey, one of the questions I get asked all the time by new prospective clients to um, people who might be doing like a, a, a workshop with me to current clients yeah. is um, on the paid social side, I always get asked about like, what is the minimum budget? What is the minimum? And I know, and, and that's definitely an answer that is going to scale based on the data and based on the situation. But how do you answer that question? You know, the, I, the minimum budget is, is really something, it, it's a question that I get on a regular basis. And I understand that a lot of clients also want to test something because they don't necessarily believe in the platform in the very beginning and, and, or, 
you know, running with a Facebook advertising campaign might require a lot of process changes to be done. Um, you know, like for example, if you're going to be trying to generate leads that eventually turn into butts and seats in some way, shape or form, you've got to have a good follow-up process. And if you don't have one in place right now, it doesn't really matter exactly how much you, you, you invest into your budget. If you don't have the right process and systems on the back end to handle that lead and turn them into a customer later. So, so going to the minimum budget kind of scenario, it, it depends. I mean, with, with auto dealers, it's got to be thousands of dollars a month. And of course, you know, some specific brands have co-op funds that they can kind of offset that cost. Uh, and then what it comes down to is some of the other local businesses, you know, I think the most important thing in the very beginning is start with a budget that you're comfortable with. Um, if you, if you are afraid to kind of go all in on the platform, start with something, but then measure the return on investment. And it might not be immediate, you know, it might take a couple months to fix the broken process and systems in order to, to get the outcome that you're expecting or to get that five to 10 to one return on ad spend kind of scenario. But what I really recommend is start with a comfortable budget, measure, and then, and then scale once you are comfortable with the, with the results. And sometimes it might take a little bit of time to nail the offer or the creative or the audience or the, the targeting or the landing page experience or, you know, all these other things that might create friction in, in the buying process. And also understanding too, like, okay, we've got these people that didn't opt in, okay, or they didn't buy something. Well, what can we do to, to overcome their objections and then build a, a very diverse re retargeting campaign and then move them from top, middle and bottom of funnel eventually towards that conversion. So, so yeah, I mean, it can be an incredibly complex platform if you, if you really want to get deep into the details, which is kind of what I do, um, or it, it to be super basic, you can still get a strong return on investment. It, the, the biggest difference between going from like a, a five to a 10 to a 20, you know, and, and 20 is like unicorn status. Uh, the, the real big change between that is being able to read that data to be able to make an informed decision later. Um, and so if you're going to jump into this world, it's very important to crucially start first with understanding what your objective is and what you're trying to accomplish and having a goal of, of why you're even doing Facebook advertising in the first place. Look, if you can grow your business with existing platforms you're already doing right now, maybe it's TV advertising, maybe it's print advertising, maybe it's all these other things. And you, and, and you, you haven't scaled that all the way because, and there's still positive ROI, keep doing that. I mean, you know, it doesn't really make sense to just diversify for the sake of diversification unless, you, unless you've really maximized other, other avenues first. So start first there and then start adding in additional layers to, to improve the overall ROI for the, for the entire marketing plan itself, you know? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I would imagine that that would help also create some more offline events uh, and some data, data sets that you could load into the, the custom audiences as well to, uh, to test some ads. Um, yeah. In fact, one, one other thing that, that has really been proving to be very, very successful recently is dynamic retargeting. Um, and, you know, we get the benefit with a lot of the dealerships that I work with, we get the benefit of them driving traffic from radio, from, from, you know, TV ads, from print ads, from Google AdWords, from, you know, referral websites like car gurus and stuff. And if they go to the website and they don't, they don't actually opt into a campaign, you know, dynamic retargeting is, is a very powerful tool that has done a very good job at scooping up all that traffic that chose not to become a lead on that site and then show them specific vehicles and try to give them another reason to actually opt in to schedule a test drive again, either through an incentive or through, you know, uh, reiterating a, a guarantee that, that you offer at your dealership that other dealerships don't offer that would improve the, the buying experience in that scenario. So dynamic retargeting, again, that's also another scenario. We could go deep into that and, you know, how to build the catalog and how to scrape the site and what tools to use to, to, you know, to, to create that sort of scenario. But this, it's like a wide open blue ocean of different, strategies, tools, 
layers, you know, different platforms that help each other in the conversion process. You know, I'm, I'm helping Google when it comes down to converting Google's traffic on Facebook and, and vice versa sometimes too. And so, yeah, it, it, there, there's a lot of, a lot of, and, and again, that's part of the reason why I personally believe that like to really be a fantastic, really good Facebook advertiser, you kind of have to be just like, like up to your eyeballs in Facebook. Otherwise, cause Google's just so different, you know? Um, I understand enough about Google to know how they work together as a relationship between Facebook and Google. But, you know, as of right now, I don't really have any plans on, on trying to be an expert at both platforms because it's already a full-time job just being really good at Facebook. <laughs> yeah, that's really good insight. <clears throat> really appreciate you sharing that. And uh, another point that you brought up uh, that's really interesting to me that I think it's overlooked a lot, especially yeah. by people dipping their toe in the water from, a, they might have the legit budget to get started, but like you yeah. said, they're testing the waters is the amount of ad sets or the amount of creative that you need to test against each other to really get uh, the result, like to really get the data around like, is this working or is it not? And if so, what creative is working better than the other creative? Like I know yeah. from experience, not all ad sets, not all ads are going to work. So talk about just at a high level or a detailed level, yeah. Minimum number of, if for, for small business owners, maybe dipping their toe in the water. What's the minimum number of different pieces of creative within the minimum budget that you talked about that you would want? You to know, see? yeah. So, so for example, I'll kind of give, I'll kind of peel back the onion a little bit on what I do like with auto dealerships, because, you know, basically I divide our monthly budget into like three different buckets. You know, one is dynamic retargeting, which is only something we've recently started doing because to be brutally honest, it's a pain in the butt to figure out how to scrape the site with the images, put it in an XML file, and then upload it to Facebook and on a regular basis, unless you have an outside service do, do that stuff for you. So, um, so that's one bucket. The second bucket are engagement-based ads. Um, and engagement-based ads, you know, could be including something along the lines of, you know, a, a new happy family standing in front of their their vehicle, you know, and then the dealership, you know, congratulating them on joining the, the dealership family, you know, and, and purchasing from them and stuff and trusting them for the buying, you know, decision and stuff. Uh, I've, I've tested, you know, I think three or 400 different ads between, you know, hey, we got this, a camera phone picture of like a Ford Ranger or Jeep JL saying, hey, we got Jeep JLs in stock or hey, Ford Ranger in stock, you know, these will go fast, call us today to schedule a test drive, little things like that. Like, like I can, I've tested three or 400 different pieces of creative between really, really well polished videos to just really, really just grainy, authentic looking cell phone camera pictures at night, you know, where the lighting's terrible and all that sort of stuff. And, and to, you know, what I've noticed after, because of offline events is, is, you know, be, being able to measure your creative against an actual purchase will tell me, holy crap, this Jeep JL ad. So I, so to kind of give you an idea of my strategy, like I turned this Jeep JL ad on and off over the course of the entire year. And I found about 10% of all my ads, actually, every time I turned them on, they printed money. Like, like we're talking like a 20 to one ROAS. Uh, and so every time I turned it on, it had a predictable outcome every single time. And I started to analyze specifically about those pieces of creative. Okay, what was it about it? It's authentic looking pictures, you know? So my, well, one of the things that I learned in the process is, you know, there isn't a really minimum number of ad sets you really need to run. I just say test a lot test everything, test often, and measure after you test. It's, it's super crucial to do that. So look, if you've got a, a, a lot of different types of creative, maybe it's a video with you and your customers, maybe it's a, a video of you, you know, overcoming a feature and a benefit, maybe it's a video of you just you know, giving back to the community and having feel good stuff, test all of that 
against each other and then measure with offline events. And, you know, I can't really tell you there's a specific number. I would say just test as much as humanly possible. And then when it comes down to like direct response ads, every single month we have different offers from the dealerships. So in those scenarios, you know, we've got, you know, different models, we've got, you know, different placements. I test men versus women. I test mobile versus all placements versus desktop, sometimes Instagram. And then what I'll do is I'll measure it over the course of three months or so, and then start dumping the placements that don't actually produce profit based off of the offline event data. Um, so I can tell you that, that in my experience, um, you know, the kind of creative that you use on Instagram has to be very different compared to the creative that you use on Facebook because they don't necessarily produce the same outcome. Uh, or, you know, yeah, yeah. Instant articles might not necessarily do as well as, you know, marketplace placements. So you start to remove those placements and then month after month, your, your return on investment starts improving. So again, test everything, test as much as humanly possible. If you've got the budget to do it, you should be testing as much as you can. But if you're dealing with a, like a very constrained budget, you know, some of these dealerships spend $15,000 a month and, and, and going up and up over time type stuff because the numbers are looking good. Um, so if you've got a limited, you know, budget, uh, and you've got like maybe a thousand bucks that you want to test. You can't really test every single one of those and really give them the the effective you know time that they deserve with just a thousand dollar budget. So I think the amount of testing you can do is also relative to whatever budget you can feel comfortable to start with as well. Yeah, that's amazing advice. I think um, I couldn't agree with you more on all of that. I think for small business owners and for mid level marketers listening, if you're not working with a company or if you're not working with a company who's, who's talking about the things that Casey's talking about, like return on ad spend, he mentioned five, 10 and 20. And then he said ROAS and it's this metric in Facebook ads manager called return on ad spend. And you've got to, you've got to be asking the right questions and understanding what is your current agency or your current people running your Facebook ads doing around that number, then you're really not, you're not holding yourself accountable to the right metrics when, when, you know, Casey talks about cost per acquisition, we're really talking about the return on ad spend number. And um, I haven't met many people like you, uh, barely anybody like you that is, is focused around that and is focused specifically on the Facebook side of things. So I'm super impressed and I'm really glad that, uh, that we hooked up to have this podcast. I think it's really valuable for our yeah. listeners. There'll be a lot of, this is the beginning of a lot of great content, I think coming out of this. Um, yeah. So uh, definitely, I want to give you an opportunity to give a shout out about um, maybe kind of how to get started uh, with you, but, but I'm assuming actionad.agency is where people need to go. Yeah. Um, I want to give a shout out to uh, Tash Rizzo for hooking us up, right? Because they're <laughs> Stacey <laughs> Tash, fantastic. Yeah, yeah I, uh, Stacey's awesome people. She helps me get booked on podcasts and gets me introduced to, to other people in the in the digital marketing world so I can, you know, either show up at, and speak at their events or, you know, podcasts and stuff like that. But yeah, she's fantastic. So, you know, if you're looking for someone to help you get connected for podcast interviews, uh, Tash Rizzo and, and Stacey Tash over there is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, man. Like I got it. See, the other thing too is like along those lines, a lot of people will hate on LinkedIn because mm -hmm. they don't spend enough time on the platform and they don't do the right things on the platform from an organic. Right. Standpoint. And there is a lot of spam. There's a lot of spam everywhere. But I will say that you can connect with the right people on LinkedIn. And I got like Joe Rizzo, Stacy Tash are the people that I've connected with over there. Ken Moskovitz too. Yeah. What's that? 
You know Ken at Ad Zombies because of Stacey too, right? <laughs> I, know, well, I know Ken at Ad Zombies because I met him at Digital Uncorked with Gary Vaynerchuk in October oh. 2017. But gotcha. yes, I reconnected with Ken again, of course, through, through Stacey. Yeah. Um, well, absolutely. I mean, just great people. Definitely happy to be part of the mix there. And um, yeah. all right. So Casey, I got to ask you about Facebook ads. How important is it? How important is the client's website and the Facebook tracking pixel related to the success or just the data that you would get around a Facebook ad campaign? How important is the website and the pixel in the big picture of things? Here's the thing. So, so what's really funny is that, you know, my, my very first mentor that I, that I learned how to run Facebook ads from, uh, in one of his trainings said, never send traffic to the website. And I believed that for a very long period of time to the point where I believe that funnels and landing pages were actually more important than the website. And uh, it turns out that it depends. And there is no one size fits all approach. I will say that in my experience, um, you know, for the clients that really struggled, you know, where, where I took the advice of these gurus that talked a lot about, hey, the offer matters, you know, go with the strongest offer, run with a landing page, don't try to add additional friction to the process, blah, 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 blah. And, and I drove a lot of leads at very cheap prices. But when we measured against that to see how many of those people actually bought, a much smaller number of people actually bought. Um, and, and that's where I kind of made the realization that cost per lead doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. It's, it's cost per acquisition that matters. So a lot of other advertising agencies would really focus on cost per lead as the only thing that matters. And to me, like, look, you know, if you drive a bunch of cheap leads that don't convert, who cares? You know, if you can drive a more expensive lead that has a higher propensity to convert, let's say, you know, so in some of my scenarios, I actually do dump, dump, dump traffic to the website, you know, for um, a lot of the auto dealerships, what I'll do is I'll send traffic to the website. And the Facebook pixel, which you mentioned, I will put on every page on that website, but especially I'll put that on the, the thank you pages or the ways that people can convert either in, into Google Tag Manager or I'll define you know, custom conversion for the thank you pages after someone opts into a form. And what Facebook will do is when you run a conversion campaign on Facebook, it will it'll analyze every single person that became the lead objective. So every person that went to that thank you page, whether it's coming from organic or coming from Google or Facebook or whatever, they every single person that goes to that thank you page, it turns them into a mathematical algorithm. And then it tries to find more people on Facebook that match that mathematical algorithm. So like I said, you know, um, before 17,000 different data points, they will literally look at every single thousand, 17,000 data points in real time and lightning quick, and then find more people that match that same algorithm and then send that ad in front of them that have a high propensity to become a lead because it's already turned the people who have become a lead on the site as an objective, turn them into an algorithm. And then, and then Facebook will help you find more people who, who will visit that thank you page. So that's one layer. I mean, the Facebook pixel itself is, is the most powerful tool that exists in digital marketing to this day. Google pixel too, pixels in general, you know, because pixels are not used just for dynamic retargeting or for regular retargeting campaigns or for just sending information back to the ad account. But the pixel is also used specifically to create your audience into an algorithm and then help you serve your ad into people who are more likely to buy or more likely to become a lead rather than a just general traffic campaign where you're sending traffic to the website and hoping that, you know, the law of numbers are going to convert with, with, so, so in those scenarios, like, look, the Facebook, or the, the website actually does matter. It depends on the client. It depends on the outcome, what they're trying to accomplish. Um, but I'll give you another example. So, you know, I work with a couple of different back and pain centers um, and they focus on like, you know, spinal decompression, cold laser therapy. I created landing pages on their, on their, um, on their website or on my, on like lead pages for every single one of their clinics. 
and cost per lead and the conversion rate was insane. Conversion rate was unbelievably good. 23, 4, 24, 25% conversion rates on the, on the landing page. Um, and again, dumped a bunch of leads in their lap and they converted very few, if not any of them. And I'm like, wait a minute, I said, I said you're like a hundred leads per clinic this month and you're telling me that none of these people bought? And I'm like, no, here's the problem. Their existing sales process was built around newspaper ads, which were actually advertorial style in nature, which, which would educate the people through the process and at the very end, give them an offer. So by the time that they read that article, they viewed that particular business as a solution to a specific condition that identified the audience very, very easily. And it forced them to read the whole article before they even got to the call to action at the very end to actually come into the campaign. And so they were used to dealing with a, with a lead that was almost kind of quote unquote pre-sold or they, there was a lot of nurturing done to move that person from, I've never heard of this company before to, you know, now I, I know you now I kind of like you and okay, let's go ahead and see if I trust you now, you know, versus like conversion rates and cheap leads and dumping traffic to a landing page and getting a great optimization rate and still not producing an outcome at the very end of the day. Like that was a big problem. So I think if, if you're, if your sale is, is something that's a bit of a commodity to the point where you don't necessarily have to really, uh, you know, really even do any bit of education. You don't need to intentionally add friction to the process to become a more qualified lead because people don't need to spend a lot of time to decide whether or not they want to buy it. When it comes down to the price of the product, you know, if you, if you're dealing with it, with a product that is more than maybe, maybe even a hundred bucks for that matter, you really need to actually send that traffic to a website that educates, that has a nurturing process that has, you know, testimonials potentially on the website. Um, you know, you, cause you can't necessarily just cut it just with funnels most of the time. And the pixel is going to behave the exact same way, whether it's on a landing page or, or, or a, a, uh, you know, a click funnel page or a lead page, or even a website for that matter too. Uh, and so, so the answer to the question is it depends on the client. It depends on whether they, it, it isn't something that could be an impulse buy or whether it's something that needs to educate and you need to nurture the client you know, or, or the potential customer because of the fact that there's a much, you know, longer sales cycle or because the, the cost of the product is significantly higher and there's a lot more decisions that need to be weighed before they would want to move forward in that scenario. So again, you know, I hope that kind of answers your question, but yeah, it, yeah. it does make a difference. And, and for those people that just take Facebook advertising courses that, that say don't run traffic to a website, uh, I would say that, you know, you're wrong some of the time, actually. Yeah. There's not a one size fits all approach. The proof is going to be in the data, but to your point, you have to know how to contextualize the data. You have to know how to like, to your example about having a qualified buyer who has already been informed about the product and the service and the process yeah. before yeah. making the step to become the lead and say that they're interested in that in the, in the uh, example that you gave about the advertorial and the newspaper. Yeah that would be the website versus the landing page. So I really like what you said there. And uh, yeah. yeah, thanks for that information. So Casey, is there any, anything else you want to add before I give it our quick wrap up here? I mean, this is, I think this is like scratch. It's obviously just scratching the surface. Right. We talked about some things that you said. I mean, people can even go deeper on their own, but offline events, Facebook attribution, return mm -hmm. on ad spend, uh, custom audiences. I mean, all these different things. Anything else you want to add for our listeners? You know, I think at the end of the day, you know, Facebook, take Facebook seriously as far as what they can do. They, they measure us for 17,000 different data points. I mean, it, they, I, I believe it was either them or Target or something along the lines. You know, artificial intelligence is getting scary accurate nowadays to the point where, you know, you can predict someone being pregnant before they're even pregnant based off of some of the stuff that they have looked at on Facebook or the websites they've visited or whatever. Um, and if you've ever had an experience before where, where you have 
thought about something, maybe mentioned something to a friend and then suddenly saw an ad on Facebook. No, Facebook's not listening to your mar to microphone. I know it seems like they might, but they're just really, really good at predicting behavior based off of their algorithm. So if you've ever had a scenario where you were served an ad on Facebook and you're like, oh, wow, this is something I've actually been looking for right now and they're hitting me at the right time. If you've had that experience, guess what? Your customers could have that exact same experience for your product or your service as well. And so you really need to take digital advertising seriously, but you need to also work, you know, hey, you don't have to work with me. I mean, work with an expert in the field that really knows what they're talking about and, is, and, and really cares about the amount of profit and revenue that you make off of every dollar you spend. If they start talking about impressions and leads and don't really make that bridge between leads and, and impressions and clicks to eventual purchases and sales and improving your, your investment in advertising over time, you're working with the wrong person. You need to fire them and find someone who does. And, and again, maybe I'm not that person. That's, that's completely fine with me. I think the most important thing though is to just educate people on knowing what to look for when they're dealing with an advertising company and to make sure that they're not going to be investing in, in a company that doesn't really care about the real stuff that matters. Because last time I checked, you can't pay your mortgage with clicks and impressions. <laughs> <laughs> well said, my friend. <clears throat> Everybody, thanks for listening. Check Casey out at actionad.agency. For more free digital marketing tips, go to dataoveropinions.com. Thanks everybody for watching and listening. Have a great day. All right, everybody. Thanks again for listening to today's data-driven daily tip. Don't forget that if you want to stop looking at your Google Analytics for your web data and you just want to ask Alexa how your web traffic is doing, go to askdatadrivendesign.com for your free trial of our premium Alexa skill that allows you to just say, hey Alexa, ask data-driven design how my web traffic is doing. Thanks everybody and have a great day.